It's not a song we're going to play. Let's try again. You can cut that, right? There we go. That That's a great song, but not for this episode. All right. I was going to say, yeah. get it world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was a brass cover of killing in the name by the band brass against in case you didn't know <laughs> yeah i was like okay good what this sounds a little different than i'm used to <laughs> like wait a second yeah no uh-huh that's the one that's the one um well what's what's going on uh world wow welcome to episode 201 of Ameripod. Sorry that we skipped all of January, but you know, it was, it was a dry January for the podcast, I guess, was what happened. I don't know. Um, that's what I'm gonna call it. It, it was a it was a also apologies about my dogs. <laughs> they're allowed to be their characters on the podcast at this point. <laughs> True. Uh-huh. Love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's right. Um well, welcome everyone. Uh, it is February first, as I said. Wow, we just skipped all of January. Here we are. Uh, dry, dry, at, January. dry January, dry January, yeah, dry January. Uh, at four forty-two uh, Mountain Time, this is being recorded. And you just got a twofer here today, as uh, John Kelly is out on some super secret mission, um, as he usually is. It probably involves sunshine and waves. Uh, so I don't want to give you all too much because, you know, he's undercover right now. But uh, if it has anything to do with it. Uh, but we can neither confirm nor deny that he's creating a supervillain secret layer in uh, off the coast of the Big Island in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Can I, yeah. Cannot confirm nor deny. We didn't have quite the the funds like all of the like billionaires who are buying full islands in the South China Sea. But we thought, you know, off 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 because Hawaii is close enough. So yeah, that's know. really cool. It's really great that they're like creating bunkers for themselves. That makes me feel totally cool. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly it's all fine it's all fine it's fine we'll be yeah. fine and that that fine gentleman there is uh john anderson in the Denver metro area what's up wow what's up, look at you what a I, what a transition you're, you're I've had a month off this. you know but like you never know you we, never know it, you're you're rested up you know. i'm rested exactly I'm rested yeah. ready to go oh and uh, well how are you doing that you can answer my question oh uh i'm 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 great uh mm-hmm. best best january that's obviously why um we took so much time because it was a really easy solid january um yeah. i think it was like 45 days yeah uh, <laughs> which was like a pretty pretty standard january that's right now, exactly like. yeah, yeah so yeah. um so yeah i mean just 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 killing it just just loving it yeah, we love to see it. Yeah. Uh, and I am your guardrails, Tyler Grill, also West Coast correspondent. We are coming on the other side of, uh, or I don't know, maybe we're still in it, but I think we're on the other side of another atmospheric river, Pineapple Express. 
you know oh. that you're a stoner when you've heard pineapple express in the context of weed before you actually know where that term comes from which is a <laughs> a weather event yeah. uh, <laughs> uh but yes yeah, so i uh, had a huge rainstorm which we, we we love to see out here um and now it's sunny because california baby also california Colorado, though how it works but you know yeah it's really great right now it's like 60 degrees or something it's really oh, nice uh yeah. but i think we're supposed to get snow this weekend so all right sounds about right that's also uh yeah very colorado yeah talking about the weather uh we love it well we're also going to talk about two things today um and uh you know we'll probably delve into these subjects again i'm sure uh especially when um joan kelly is back with us uh but we're going to talk about um uh palestine and israel and then we're also going to talk about the republican primaries because that clown show is always always um something it's something to talk about so uh, it is something to talk about it's something to talk about um well let's start with um let's start with palestine and israel so we are now over 120 days uh into into the war um, and the casualties continue to be uh, overwhelmingly on the Palestinian side, especially obviously in Gaza. Um, and, you know, at this point, there has been, especially as we have not had an episode for a long time, uh, since we last spoke, there has been a lot more condemnation from the international community. Uh, South Africa issued, um, a, uh, introduced, um, what would you call it, I guess, a, a resolution. A resolution, yeah, into the international uh, um, criminal court uh, against um, Israel for genocide. The court ruled that it is plausible, um, and the way that works is that, like, I mean, the, it takes years generally for these sort of things to work its way through that court. So um, we will not know its actual findings probably for for years, but um, they are moving forward. Like the first hearings of happened where they're like is this even plausible to move forward with they said yes it is plausible and have asked israel to um you know change what they are doing their tactics in order to um to prevent the, the loss of life um um and and as they move forward with this case to see if it's genocide um also just here uh, the other day in um uh, in Oakland, I mean, it was because of the federal, it was in the federal court here in, in Oakland, some Palestinian families sued the Biden administration, um, basically for aiding and embedding um, Israel uh, due to um, the, the um, you know, the, the amount of money and support, uh, financial and military support the U.S. has given them. Similarly, that, or dif differently, that was um, basically the, the ruling that the judge made was that it, this is not something that can work its way through uh, the federal courts um, because um, it is would be the judicial branch interfering with foreign policy, which is under the executive branch. Um, but also the judge issued, you know, basically just a statement saying that this is one of those things where it was like, he's basically like, you're right, this is wrong. I just like, this isn't the... You can't go through this. Like I agree with you that this, this is a genocide, and that the Biden administration is aiding and embedding it. However, it, through the function of the judicial system, it, it can't be that the, the judicial system is not the way that the the way to say forward. that is it was dismissed on technical grounds. Yes, dismissed on technical grounds. Yeah, basically. So and um, yeah, I mean, you have a lot more condemnation from other um, other countries in the world. 
um, going on. And Israel is just, uh, you know, doubling down. And specifically, let's say Netanyahu's government um, is, is doubling down because there is dissonance um, inside the Israeli government and among the Israeli people um, as well. Not everyone, of course, agrees like nowhere in the world. Um, and, you know, it does seem like their tactics are, and, and some military leaders have even said, you know, they're going to occupy Gaza again. And, um, you know, the, the, the outlying question is, um, but, you know, because we don't, we, we will not know probably for some time, is are, are they actually going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to occupy, but then are they going to bring in Israeli settlers onto that? Are they going to annex well? it? Are they going to annex it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. right. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, this reminds me of, and I think we might have said this on the last podcast, but it's been a while. Um, this reminds me of the U.S.'s reaction to 9-11, mm-hmm. but in a which the, much, they have made those the Israeli government has made yeah. those comparisons. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, but much more um, compressed, both geographically and temporally, mm-hmm. um, which has made everything more dramatic, um, feeling and also in actuality more dramatic. I think we can pretty definitively say that the U.S. Uh, reaction to 9-11 was bad and counterproductive. Yeah. And so this, too, feels bad and counterproductive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we, you know, and I'm speaking from more like a strategic grounds. Um, obviously, like the more the morality of this is pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, there are not a lot of heroes on the moral side of this question though either and so i would I think, say other than uh, other than a lot of the the palestinian citizens and journalists yes have... the yes um i'm talking about like the actors i guess in yeah like a yeah. international relations kind of yeah. sense yeah um obviously civilians are always no matter what conflict it is and no matter what side it is on civilians are victims in war and so um yeah i mean this is i think not helpful for anybody besides a very narrow interest in israel and um the the also the extra governmental action has me very very concerned um specifically like the West Bank settler actions. Yeah. Um, also, we're continuing to see spillover effects from this conflict. We're right. now just like bombing Houthis. Um, yeah. There's been stuff back and forth between the United States and Iran and all of that. Yeah, the and Biden administration so... announced today they're going to they're gonna launch strikes in retaliation for um, those drone strikes that happened. Um, so th- again, this is part of the the... The more of the fallout that's happening around this, but there were some drone strikes, probably from Iranian-backed militia in, and I forget along the border of like Syria. I think it was in Iraq. Yeah, Iraq, and yeah. So, anyways, it killed three U.S. soldiers and wounded like thirty more, and that's the first U.S. casualties, uh, military casualties in this. Um, and so, again, it's like the yeah, what the 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 possibilities of this spinning out. Um, yeah or not good you you get on to what's called an uh escalatory um slippery slope 
And so, yeah. you know, they kill three of our people. Well, we need to respond and we blow up, you know, a radar station, but we killed 10. And then they're like, well, right. now we got to come back and yeah. they, you know, launch something and they actually miscalculate a little bit and they end up killing 50. And it's like, okay, well now we got to respond significant. And so it, it's really hard to find an off ramp when you get into that escalatory cycle. And that's, yeah. um, one of the 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 most significant fears of this conflict um in a broader sense than, yeah. than what's just happening in gaza yeah and the, the loss of human life in gaza is is you know devastating Twenty six thousand and over ten thousand those have been have been children right and that's one of the cases for it being a genocide or an ethnic cleansing is that you're basically trying to take out the next generation right as as well and when you're not taking steps to um, attempt to not do that, right? That is part of what makes something a genocide, right? When you're when you're targeting a people's a people civilian population, right? And you know what what feels relevant to say because I'm not sure we we've said this before, and it was something that I was like, is this true? So I I did fact check myself before because I, before I say something like this, right? Is that and where I think it's one of those things where you know. We can look at history, we can look at, you know, even recent history, right, since the 1900s, since the founding of Israel, 1917, since the Nakba, 1948, when Israel seized a lot of, of Palestine. We can look at, you know, that the that that trend has continued, the trend of, of colonization. And, you know, one of those things, and the U.S. has done things like this, too, was that the Palestinian Liberation Organization in the last, you know, they started as a more radical organization in the last 30 years or so have, have come around to... Um, the two states being to being open to the two state solution, right? And actually pushing for those. Palestinian or the PLO is the ruling body in the West Bank, right? And Hamas was, is, is the one in, in Gaza. Hamas, Israeli government, actually, and specifically Netanyahu's branch of the of the Israeli government, funded Hamas in their early days in the late nineties or so, because they wanted to undermine the PLO, right? They actually gave funding in the same way that the U.S. has funded like the Taliban because they wanted to fight against the Russians, right? And so it's one of those, these things where you had to follow like the history because it's like, you know, now Israel is fighting Hamas, right? And they've actually funded them because they wanted to undermine the two-state solution, right? And and it's 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 really disheartening to, to, to see that, of course, but I think it also is important to understand the, um, the the I, I, actions like that show the intentions of this particular ruling power ruling party inside of the israeli government right now you know that their intentions i think intentions like that show that they're not just trying to get rid of hamas they are trying to seize more land and we shall see but so far their actions have hmm, that is the that is the way that their actions seem to be to be moving um yeah it, i would say um you know we're connecting some dots here which is always um uh can be treacherous although i'm not um you know saying that's not the case um i think we just oftentimes need to be careful about doing those types of things um i would say this was obviously a disproportional response to um, Hamas's attack on the 8th of October, 7th of October, 7th, 7th. 7th of October. Uh, and so 
um, you know, that that leads us to say, well, if we assume that they are a, a, a rational actor, quote unquote, in whatever they view, why is this happening? So and and the seizure of territory would be a very reasonable explanation for that, especially given um, Netanyahu's uh, history with settlers in the West Bank and things yeah. like that. So yeah. there's yeah. been a, a steady um, drip, drip, drip of um, territorial acquisition, which is bad and which has also held up um, a two-state solution and has created um, facts on the ground that make a two-state solution much more difficult than they were, say, 20 years ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, once again, I think a two-state solution is the only, I don't even want to say equitable solution, but the only solution that like gets anywhere close to what feels like a moral solution um despite all of the history and it seems like the netanyahu government has made that more difficult not less uh, yeah which is a problem yeah the morality of it's tough right i've heard someone say like um you know we could have never like in my generation we could have never thought of the british you know the, the apartheid system in south africa being overthrown we could have never imagined the british leaving india right and yet those things did happen and there was fallout from those things, right? Like, and, you know, there's still a lot of white South Africans who are like, they took my farm back and like, I was disintegrated against. And it's like, you did lose something in that. And then, and at the same time, that land was already taken from the people who took it back, you know? And so how do we as humans find ways to honestly live together? Because it's not about who's, who's is it? How do we find ways to, to live together without without violence, which again is really where this began because of the discrimination and violence against Jews in Europe. That that is that is why the state of Israel, I mean Zionism began, and then you know the British Empire, whatever seized you know Palestine after World War One and, and all of this. Um, I also feel like it, you know it's just important to say like that you know it, in terms of like where is it going? I think there is something you said about believing the people on the ground like you know pretty early on, you know we said in this podcast oh well like you know Israel have a right to defend itself and and there are people pretty early on who have been involved who are like Palestinians and others who are like they're gonna use this like they're gonna use this to take more land like this is what they do they've done this historically and you know people can always take different actions and I think there's something you said about giving those people you know like they're more informed because they live it you know because they live it and they see the they experience the actions of the IDF and the, the policies of the Israeli but government. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know if those things are totally connected. Like, I think you can say Israel has a right to defend itself in a proportional response and does not have the right to seize territory or use this as an excuse. Can you also so, say that Palestinians have the right to defend themselves? And would yeah. Hamas be an example of that? So, I mean, this where is where it gets really difficult because we don't have necessarily a state actor right where those things are um and it's true that they've been refused a state too right so it becomes it, it's made complex by the oppressor because the oppressor is refusing to give a state do you see what i'm saying i'm, I'm like the, the, israel has the ability to change this they're the ones who are backed by giant superpowers right and yes. so like 
I, I'm very, for me, I'm very clear. Israel's in the wrong. They are the ones who have more power to solve. And so does the United States and all of us as citizens to put pressure on our government. It, but I, I, again, I don't think those things are necessarily mutually exclusive. Like we can say, because there's a temporal aspect to this. So we can say Israel at this moment is in the wrong. I think right. that that's very clear. We can also say on October 8th, Israel had a right to a proportional just war response. And there's a lot of scholarship that's that that delineates how to go about a response like this in a just way. And, and could so, those same arguments be said of of settler colonialists in the US colonies when indigenous people attacked attacked colonist settlers? Could you say, oh, well, we had a right to defend ourselves. So could we, so as us, as white, you know, say us, but like, you know, Europeans who are settling in the Americas, because this is what was used, right? Native American, indigenous people would sometimes fight back, obviously, against the, the wave of people. And then the settlers would say, oh, well, see, they attacked us. So we have a right to respond, right? Right. And that would then always follow with more land seizure. Yeah. So, I mean, we're getting into there's another temporal aspect to this which is holding current generations responsible for past actions and so like when does that cycle stop um it's the big also, question between individualism and and you yes. know well you know yes um, also you know i guess if if we take the the null hypothesis which is israel did not have the right to defend itself um I don't, I think that invites more violence on Israelis. And so the morality becomes very difficult here. Um, I am not denying that there's a significant power differential here that has to be observed and, and uh, treated with care. But also I do get concerned about the logical conclusions of these arguments, which to me sounds like Israel's can die. Israelis can die. Um, which yeah, I like- I don't agree with that, of course. Do not agree with that either. I mean, I think one of the logicals is like, you further secure your, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, now we're now we're gonna get over, but it's like you further secure your border, right? If, that, if, if it's like they came over that border, right? That's one way to do it, right? Like you to basically re-entrench your defenses. Also, I don't know, there's a lot of questions. I mean, we will maybe never find this out, but there have been questions circulating about why the IDF didn't respond for like six hours. One of the theories is that there's actually, apparently there has been a protest movement inside of the IDF because it's mandatory conscription. And so some of the people who don't agree actually stood down in those moments. Cause like they were in a protest where they're like, we're not gonna respond. Like, and, and so it's like, well, if you change your internal politics around settlements and treatments of Palestinians, that would be actually further securing, right? Your it can be argued that the retaliations, and this is true, this is true on all sides, not not just as on the Israeli side. This is true of all. It can always be the argument can always be made that as these things ratchet up, the retaliations, everybody becomes less safe, right? And I would say that that's true for Israelis too, and Jews worldwide, because anti-Semitism has and, certainly skyrocketed since this has happened. And and that's why you have a concept of a proportional response in international relations, which is um, the, the theory goes, if you're in a bar fight and you get punched and you don't do anything about it, you're more likely to get punched again. 
And so, but if you get punched and then you shoot somebody over it, that's unjust. And so the way to reconcile or to balance those two interests are if you get punched, you punch somebody back in the same place equally as hard to say there will be costs associated with your actions, but we're trying to stop the cycle of escalation rather than perpetuate it. And so to be specific about this on October 8th, to me, um, you know, we send in some like badass, scary ass Israelis and take out a couple of Hamas leaders. Like that's a proportional response that shouldn't affect civilians if you do it properly, but exacts costs on an actor um, that is likely to do a similar action if costs are not exacted. And so like when I say Israel had a right to defend itself and Israel had a right to respond, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, well, now you get to level literal blocks of apartment buildings. That is an unjust disproportional response that further makes everyone unsafe. And so, you know, I guess to go back to your, and then also you hope to pair that with non-military, it's a stick and a carrot thing, right? And so uh, you go and assassinate, I mean, like if I'm a, if I'm Netanyahu and I'm actually trying to solve a problem on October 8th, I go and take out a couple of Hamas leaders and then I have a summit with PLO leaders. And so you create the carrot and the stick. And so to go back to your settler analogy, you probably like launch a little raid and then you also try and make peace. So you do both of those things. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, is like ideally, but it always seems to not, not i mean i think and it, it never seems quite because the other complexity is like well what actually we'd use that as like well if i gave you the brass knuckles and then you punched me right because that's really what happened was you know hamas being funded by Israel. it's like if you're a weapon if you're giving the people the means right to retaliate it's sort of like it's sort of like also what's happening with right now with iran it's like well doesn't this suck that iran is backing all these militias against it well yeah maybe if we didn't overthrow their democratically elected government <laughs> right like it, it maybe you know said whatever 70 years ago now whatever it was like you know and and there's a lot more to be said here i personally believe that the system and even the proportional retaliation is totally broken like it's not this has been going on globally in very different in, in many places um for hundreds of years if not thousands it's now just ratcheted up because we have a global society you know um as we've seen in the world wars that right people keep striking yeah look at world I war one so and so just kept a prince died and then everybody had to like throw their yeah. dick on the table with some proportional response yes. and now we have a world war i mean yeah. i think we could say war is bad I think we, we can, we can of course say war that is war is bad. Um, yeah. However, we have to operate in the realm of like reality and and what is possible. And so, you know, if we could all just say, yeah, let's all just melt our weapons down and turn them into plowshares, I think everybody would be would benefit from that. But that's not. Um, the world we live in and i think that's not and this is getting very philosophical now but i think it's because our hardware has not caught up to our software right and so 
you're trying to man it. And this is where I become like the most traditionally small C conservative I get. Um, you're trying to manage, and this goes back to some like, you know, original sin Christianity stuff too in our thinking, but like you're trying to manage animals. We are monkeys basically. Right, right, and right. We're, we're monkeys with nuclear weapons. Yeah. And so we're trying to set up systems where the least amount of people die over a course of time. Yeah. And that's by definition going to be incredibly imperfect until our software is able to, or our hardware is able to catch up with our software. And then we won't have uh, a, a need for government right yeah. as they say if men were angels we wouldn't we wouldn't need any of this yeah and so um you know yes i totally agree with you about the aspirations of the world i just don't think they're currently possible until humans evolve well and so that, yeah i feel that and to that point like, I think that is where the dreaming big is important. You know, I think it, you know, you, you have to look at the world and be real. And at the same time, I think we can't let the, the, the world as it is limit our imagination of what is, of what is possible for the world. You know, that is the, the sci-fi vision of like, and of all imagination is like, you have to imagine the new world before you can make it possible, you know? And mm -hmm. so sometimes, I don't know, sometimes I think, big, I don't know how it's going to work, but I feel like I have to imagine it. I have to imagine, you know, because what else we got, you know? And I think it's important to have people who focus on both of those things so that we can both move forward and manage the present, right? Like the, there's not a correct way of thinking. The correct thing is that there's a mix of people thinking different ways so that we can progress while also not blowing ourselves up. Yeah, and living and living different lives. Well, I'm sure we'll come back to this topic now that we attended to like take 10 or 15 minutes and it's been, who knows, listeners, you look at the you look at the time <laughs> and tell us. Um, but you know, uh, let's do a little transition. Speaking of sci-fi and, and imagination, let's talk about the GOP primaries. Maybe just briefly, maybe just briefly we'll talk about yeah. the GOP primaries because that we, we've spent time here and you know. I don't know if you know this, listeners, we do have jobs, so we sometimes have to do them. Uh, and, In fact, uh, we have multiple jobs. We have multiple jobs, on, both of us. Depending on how you count. Yeah, depending on how you count. Um, but just to touch on the GOP primaries. Um, they're awesome. And the story and the podcast. They're, they're awesome. awesome. Where you're, there's going to be, there's a lot, they're talking about policy a lot. People have a lot of new ideas that the American people love. They're definitely it's, not recycled ideas that we've heard over and over again. It's basically an Aaron Sorkin script. Like there, it's just <laughs> unparalleled. Yeah. The yeah. walking and talking, the, the, the words per minute are just out of control. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, we're only left. So now we've had uh, Iowa and New Hampshire and all is left is Trump and Nikki Haley. Like you're yep. literally met, you're literally left with a white man who's orange and a brown woman who's white. And it's very confusing. <laughs> like, I, like the Republican party is just, I don't, I, um, maybe a little, little, little light racism there. Uh, oh, oh, I mean, just, yes. Here's the light version. She's absolutely a woman of color. However, everything I, I mean, she basically changed. She's tried to make herself white, and this is not a 
this is not i've read i'm not making this up i've read other people go talking about this so i'm just i'm paraphrasing i'm paraphrasing uh uh sorry if it was i'm, I'm ready to be checked somebody write in the comments tyler that was racist tell me um uh i mean her politics are wild to me um to you know to be honest um but we live in a diverse nation yeah uh yeah exactly nothing is a monolith um ramaswamy has dropped out fucking chris christie dropped out fucking ted cruz i never died. even learned how to pronounce his name yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe that's you... a little light racism for me oh yeah there uh... we go hey john yeah high five we can both check ourselves on a race yeah there we go um, uh but yeah i was like he's not gonna be around long enough for me to learn how to pronounce this name so <laughs> uh it was worth learning just so you can talk about how ridiculous it is well i mean and he, you know all these people who just rail on trump and then they just turn around and they all they all just um uh i can't even get the word out uh kowtow. Oh. yeah kowtow. yeah i mean they they yeah they are kowtowing but they also officially endorsed him after just you know so anyways nikki haley is is um See, I will even respect her chosen name because that's what we do, even when it's problematic. Uh, so she she's vowing to stay in. Um, I think she's going to stay in until South Carolina because she was the governor of South Carolina. Um, and then we'll see. And that's soon. That's this weekend, I think, coming up, I believe. Um, it'll be interesting to see what she does after that. Um, I don't think she has a chance. It looks like we're going heading towards a Trump-Biden showdown again. It's going to be so great. I'm so excited for that. It's going to be Can't awesome. Wait. It's going Can't to be wait. totally healthy for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Good. it's not triggering at all. Not triggering no. at all. Uh, also, everybody is really happy about this outcome on yeah. every, you know, internally on both sides. I think everybody's really happy about this. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. It's, yeah. Can't wait to vote for Biden again. Can't wait to vote for like people. Our choices are people who will both be over 80 by the end of the term. If not, that, that those are our choices. And I'm not, the ages of it, it just like, like, I, it's not, I mean, listen, if you're that old and you have, you can still like, well, I'm 34 years old and I'm exhausted from just normal life. Like, I don't, under, I can't, I couldn't imagine being 80 years old and president. I'm, I'm just from a practical yeah, standpoint. Yeah, no, I, I, I am in full agreement with you. I, I actually, I think it's, um, I think the age thing is really interesting and we don't talk about it. Um, in the way I would like to talk about it. We we typically only talk about it in terms of, are they fit to be president? Right. I think it's really interesting that we have two 80-year-olds running for president and we're, right. we're skewing younger, like culturally. Right. Yeah. And I think without doing any research and just investigating my own mind, I think the reason for this is that we have a, deeply broken politics and so we're kind of like on backup mode mm. where we have not been able to move the ball forward generationally like we typically right. would see yeah and so but the default is stability yeah. everybody kind of skews towards stability right and so because of that we have kept the same leaders i mean and and you bushes clintons mm -hmm. people very closely tied with bush or yeah. i mean with clinton at least yeah. um and then so i think that this is another symptom of our very deeply broken politics right now 
Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting with both of these men die, which is coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> and so what happens then, there will be by necessity a reshuffling. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that will probably be pretty painful for both parties. I actually would not be surprised at all to see. Um, I think another thing that's been happening is the tectonic plates have been mm. building lots of tension in yeah. that we are ripe for a significant political realignment. And I'm talking like the destruction of the Democratic and Republican Party and two new parties, which is yeah. um, happens in our politics. We haven't yeah. experienced it. In, I mean, the, the, the most recent we had kind of, we flirted with it with Ross Perot in 92. Um, right. And he got a significant portion of the vote. I think Bill Clinton won the presidency with 42% of the vote. Wow. Uh, but the last time we had a real true political party realignment was probably in the um, 20s with the Bolton Moose Party. Yeah. Um, and FDR and Woodrow Wilson and yeah. Taft, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and so, um, but you know, that happened in the 1860s as well. That happened in 1800. Yeah. And so, uh, this is absolutely part of our history. And I can very much see when those two leaders die, there being a significant fracturing in our two parties, creating new parties or a dissolution of the United States. Right. And this is going back to a deep cut, y'all, where uh, I make the argument that the two-party system is actually a positive for the United States and a unifier in our country as far as institutions go, which is one of my most deeply unpopular opinions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you know anything about John. <laughs> <laughs> I hold lots of unpopular opinions. That is chief of them. Uh, uh -huh. And But we could very much see that. Um, yeah. Well, and, you know the astrologers and the stars would agree with you because we're entering <laughs> into the Pluto return, right? Because it takes 200 whatever years for Pluto to go to do one cycle. And so the Pluto return is when like it gets back to where it began, but it also then when it returns it, it shifts, right? So it's right now happening for the United States of America because it just happened and it's moving from Capricorn into Aquarius. Capricorn. I, so just bear with me for a moment. It's going to be fun. I'm t I, I believe you. Just, I don't I, endorse any of this. Just it's just gonna be it's, it's the same astrologers who said something was going to go down it in early 2020. And then COVID happens the same ones. Okay, just to say, so they so the Pluto return is basically like, you know, it's a whole re reshifting of things, right? But it, it because Pluto rolls government and these various things. So it's Pluto going back it's moving from Capricorn, which is a very like grounded, it's like the CEO of the Zodiac, very practical, very capitalist, right? Into Aquarius, which is literally like the aliens are coming. Like it's going to get weird. It's like the weirdest possible sign you could possibly get. And so the whole thing is that like, there will be a government restructuring because it's basically like it's Pluto has come all the way back around. And it's so funny because, you know, when it's so, you know, like any of these planets, they go in and then they go retrograde for a little bit before they fully go direct. So it goes direct at like, right at the beginning of november just like mm, wow like perfect like we love to see the timing the cosmological timing of this i'm not saying i necessarily endorse it either however track it let's we'll find however, out however 
I'm incredibly versed and can give you all details <laughs> about detail. this, but I do not endorse this. I'm yeah, just yeah. asking questions. I'm just asking questions. You're married to a woman after 16 years, a white woman. After, you're going to know something about <laughs> astrology. It's all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, all's well, friends, we should probably start to move towards wrapping it up. I do want to just introduce one more conspiracy theory before we go. Have you heard this one, John? This is a great one. People think that at the at the Democratic National Convention that, uh, uh, that Biden's going to step aside and that michelle obama is gonna step up and be the fucking <laughs> the fucking president it's never gonna happen but i would love they're so the Biden are the, the the obamas are so done with public they're like so over it but i love oh, yeah, that conspiracy theory like, i love you can it literally fuck off and die yeah. um i read this book called seven eves which is really interesting. It's about the moon shatters and is falling to earth. And when it reaches the atmosphere, the earth will burn up. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so they launch like a last ditch effort to put people into space. Yeah, And it's kind of like three different parts. There's one where it's like the disaster. And then part two is the like years following the disaster. And then with them in space. And then part three is um, like, thousand years in the future interesting book and um the the second part of it has this like very interesting and i think it was like 2012 to 15 written mm -hmm. um obama endorsed it it was on one of his summer reading lists that's how i ended up listening to it and by listening to it i mean listening to it on audiobook uh and and the middle portion they talk about uh basically one faction it, they end up in two factions one faction ends up like being a little bit more scientifically minded the other faction goes fully batshit crazy in like a social media way uh, -huh. uh and it just i think about that book a lot mm. and about how uh like there are now taylor swift conspiracies because <laughs> there's like MAGA dudes who are mad that she likes football now right and so now there's like and I'm just like I think the internet was a mistake <laughs> <laughs> I mean I think I think an argument can be made an argument I, I think made. we fucked up like the hardware that hasn't caught up with the software or the hardware <laughs> the hardware has not caught up with the software we were meant to gossip about each other but gossip about each other in like groups of dozens at most <laughs> yeah uh, not eight billion or whatever yeah. and yeah. it's 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 significantly broken our brains yeah. and so um i just want to say since you're listening to this on the internet you've made a mistake godspeed everybody some of those that work forces of the same that burn crosses. <laughs> Some of those that work forces of the same that burn crosses. Some of those that work forces of the same that burn crosses. Oh! Killing in the name of. Killing in the name of. And now you do what they told you. And now you do what they told you. And now you do what they told you. And now you do what they told you.
Uh, we could just keep going with that, but got to stop it somewhere. Got to stop it somewhere. Um, <laughs> outro, <laughs> the singer of that, I think it was this one. They've had a couple different singers, but I think it was this woman got in, tr in trouble because um, she got, I forget what song it was, but she got a, a, a thing on stage because it had a camera. And apparently she was like, I'm going to do this. And he was like, okay. And she just pulled her pants down on stage and just pissed on his face, like directly into the camera. And then they, and then like people got upset and they issued the most half-assed apology. It was really, it was like, sorry, not sorry. It was like, really... I'm sorry you were offended that I peed on you. Yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Not on him, on other people. The dude was like, fine with it. Like he was like, yeah, yeah, no, I. <laughs> I have so many follow-up questions. <laughs>